Hey everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Zingspiel Sessions, where local musicians sit with our host, Anthony DeLuca, to zing, sing, and spiel, speak about what makes them tick. Before we start today, your Zingspiel host, Tony, and I want to thank you all for your patience. We know it's been a number of weeks since our last episode. Over the past month or so, we've moved out of the original Lounge DeLuca space and out of our studio and set up shop in a brand new location. It was an arduous process, but we're super glad to be settled back in and be able to bring you your weekly dose of chat and song with your favorite local musicians. Today on the show, Tony sits down with a legend here in the Southern Finger Lakes music scene, Jeremy James. You might know him from his current duo, Ampersand Project, or you might have heard him with the former Meads Creek Band. Either way, if you've heard him perform, you know what a treat we're in for today. Thanks again for being here, everyone. Please enjoy the show. So, tell me about this guitar. I like the way it sounds. Uh, it's tech Mini. It's not like a brand I'm, I'm super familiar with. Oh, it's one of the, um, well, I don't want to say higher levels, but like right. when you say Martin, Gibson, Takamini's kind of in that era. Yeah. It's a little like underneath, I would say. Martin, Gibson, and then like Takamini's right below. Hmm. Um, this is a Bruce Springsteen kind of what he plays. Not that I bought it for that reason, but right. um, I got it because I was getting into a band, my first full band in 2011, I believe. I just like the colors. I like the black instead of the regular, like, has everybody's got the natural wood look, you know? Right. Um, so I got this, and when I first played it, I didn't like it. It was too high for me. Mm. But come to find out when we were in the band, it actually worked out great because it would sit above, you know, when you got the bass player and the kick right. drum and all that kind of stuff. Another guitarist, keys. Now, so, are you just doing, like, um, rhythm on this, or are you doing a lead on it as oh, well? Oh, just strictly rhythm. rhythm? Um, I'm trying to learn licks and lead breaks and stuff because... Being in the duo that I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, my partner plays primarily drum kit. It's a cajon-based drum kit, but right. um, he does play guitar and keyboards as well. But I thought, man, if I could do some licks, leads kinds of things, mm-hmm. that would add to our dynamic. Right. Um, so I am. I have been working on my accuracy because I, I don't strum properly either. Right. Like most people, you're supposed to be like right here, mm-hmm. and I'm up like this. Right. So then all of a sudden, I go down and hit the G string on a. You know, I miss it. So trying to get that accuracy part down and then also the strength, the finger strength, and be able to move a little bit. My brain knows where I'm supposed to go in a way. I know my scales pretty much Yeah. with the, you know, the the caged, not the caged system, but the caged chords, basically. Okay. I mean, if you said play something E flat, it would take me a minute to go, okay, I got to find it. There we go. And now I can do something. Right. But to G, boom, D, boop, I can go right to. So I know my scales a little bit, so I'm just trying to, and I'm trying to put together what I want to sound like, what it, what my scales are, mm-hmm. and how to make them, how do you make them not sound like a scale? How to make them right. work? Right. Sound like a lick and not just like, oh, these are my rudimentary. Yes. I, I know my A2s. And then you just go into do, re, mi, fa, so, la, you know, so, so it's yeah. like, ah. But, you know, and I know I don't sit and listen to a Van Halen lick and go, oh. Rewind, play. Rewind, play. I I just don't have the time for that. My ADHD will not let me do that. So I have to find ways of just trying to even making, if it's A, D, E, for example, I can get a little B and C sharp minor in there somewhere real quick. Right. 
Um, and I just do that real quick just to kind of break it up or I'll do an inversion of that chord or whatever. So right. that's what I'm trying to learn and how to put it in in time and make it sound kind of cool. So, so, so how much of this is like self got self-taught guitar and did you ever take any lessons uh, on it? About 95% of it's self-taught. It's mm-hmm. all, um, it's all been chord charts. You know, you get a song and then you have the G above it and C above it and stuff like that. And I come across yeah. the B seven. It's like, Oh my God, it was a B seven. So I look and find it and do that kind of thing. And yep, yep. That's it. And so I'd play it. Um, so I would try to challenge myself with learning those chords. Right. But just recently, I just started playing, uh, having guitar lessons. Oh, really? Um, so like two weeks before quarantine, I think. Mm. And then quarantine hit. And so now we're doing it online. Okay. So, so I like do that Zoom once once a week. Yeah, Zooms. Nice. Yep. Um, and this guy is a shredder. I mean, mm-hmm. his, his hero is Randy Rhodes. Right. Um, so he, right now, he's just teaching me the scales and all that kind of stuff which i kind of already knew because i was looking online at youtube and Mm -hmm. learning how to do that kind of thing and so i'm like okay i know my five positions and blah 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 and i understand the cage system a little bit i just don't know how to use all that stuff right or put it into practice i guess so tommy the guy i'm I'm, uh, learning from is uh teaching me a lot of that stuff on how to break it down and Mm -hmm. and just getting we're starting at the bottom basically right and i'm like i know this but i'm not going to skip a corner because there's going to be something in there that I need. So right now we're just doing the, um, you know, the Ionian, the Dorian, the, yeah, the, all the all Lydian, the Mixolydians, all the modes right now, just cool. so I understand them. I know what they are now, and I've, I've been doing a lot of practices and exercises to be able to blend them up and down the neck right? Um, seamlessly. Mentally, I can see it. I, I, mm. So I, that's a plus. It's just getting my fingers to do that. Because right. I, and I have a grip of death when I hold my, my cords. I just... Oh yeah, I, I white knuckle anytime I. I just can't try to do anything. And, and, and it's funny, my hands, you know, they they almost work in syncopation against me. Right. So if I try to lighten up here, this lightens up. Hmm. So I can't have a nice steady beat tone here and then a nice light touch. Right. It's either I'm hammering and I'm holding, or I'm really light and it's really light. So it's I, I just can't. Patting your head, rubbing your belly. Exactly. So if I can get a light touch here and a normal thing here. That's going to be the money right there. Absolutely golden. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so you mentioned working on some blues stuff. Are, is like uh, blues a big influence to you? Like, Do you incorporate that in a lot of your a lot of your rock, a lot of your original stuff, or not really? Not purposefully, no. no. Um, I appreciate the blues. I like um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I like B.B. Uh, mm. King, uh, things like that. Uh, Keb Moe, John Mayer when he does his blues yeah. side. Um, it's just fascinating to watch. Um, I think it just started there because in my search for learning how to play what I want to do, I couldn't find anything. Mm. Um, <clears throat> one of my biggest influences is uh, Travis Tripp, mm-hmm. uh, Countryside. Okay. And he actually just came out with a double live album called A Man and His Guitar, and it's a solo endeavor. Okay. And so he literally just sits up there with his guitar, and I've actually seen him live doing this. Um, and he plays, and he plays the licks, and he can play the drones, and he does all these different um, passing chords and passing tones and all that kind of stuff. Ooh. And I'm like, that's what I want to learn. And everybody I ask, how do I start to do this? And it always starts at the bottom, at the beginning. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm a little bit more. Right. I'm not intermediate. I'm just below intermediate. I've been playing 25 years, um, mostly open chords, you know, cowboy chords kind of thing, and I can't right. pull the hell out of my guitar. Mm-hmm. Um only because that's all I've ever needed to do. 
Right. But now that I want to up that game, I can't find somebody to kind of teach that. Um, and even Tommy isn't at that point because right. he does this shredding thing, you know. So he's like, I kind of know what you're looking for, but I can at least get you some foundations so that when you do start blending that, you know where you need to go. Right. And so I understand that concept. And I said, all right, let's we'll stick with that. So at least I have somebody I can bounce ideas off of. Right. Versus on YouTube where it's like, okay, I think this is what he's doing or he's talking to me about this, that, and the other. And Right. So when you when you visualize music that you're playing, do you see like normal sheet music? Do you see guitar tabs? Are you kind of like visualizing where your fingers ought to be for notes? Uh, tabs is very difficult for me, ironically. Really? Um, seeing, you know, the four, five, six, eight, th- you know, I can watch it, look at it, and go, okay, four, five, but I don't see a pattern associated with it. That's actually something I was struggling with recently with Tommy is he was giving me this exercise on tab and I'm looking at it and I'm going, I just, I have to hear it. Right. It's like um, Nick Cannon was in that movie Drumline. Yes. He couldn't read sheet music, but if he could hear it, he could kill it. Right. And that's kind of my thing. Once I hear that exercise and how it goes mm-hmm. and I understand what key it's in, I know where my, when my notes are. Right. So once I hear it, I can go through it and I'm fine that way. And then I can speed it up and all that kind of stuff. But I can't read for tab. It takes me a very long time. That being said, I also can't read sheet music. Mm. I did start that with Tommy, like doing, okay, here's your first three notes on the first three strings. Right. So I, I do have an idea, but I can't look at it and go, that's a C, that's an E. Right. I have to go F, A, C. Okay, there's the E. You know right. what I mean? I have to count it out. Every good boy deserves fudge. Where is that on the frets? Yes. Yeah. That I don't have. Um, so really for me, it's all ear-based. Mm. And, of course, that being said, I can't just look at a video or hear a song and go, oh, I think that's a, yeah, okay, I got it. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll have a song. I'm like, man, I would love to learn that song. Every Rose Has a Thorn is just something. That's such a great song. And then they finally find it somewhere, and it's like, are you kidding me? It's just G, C, and D? <laughs> that, that's, are you kidding me? How did I not know? You know, I just, right. but a lot of it really stems back to, and I've, I've learned this now, a lot of it stems back to my ADHD. I just do not have the focus to sit down and pick apart a song like that or if i get it start getting it i'm right. like okay good enough for now right and, and then, then all of a sudden never get back to it and I'm, I'm gone yeah um and that's a, that's a really hard hurdle to get over is i think the thing for me in doing that and like doing any sort of transcription is i just get tired of the damn song you listen to it like 12 15 times you're like all right i got all the chords i got the rhythms i hate the song <laughs> I never want to hear the song again. Yes, I. Um, I think because I'm a singer, I, I don't. I get a lot more breath, a lot of more um, life out of the song when mm. I'm singing it because of the different things I know I can do vocally with it. Right. When I'm on the instrument, I feel confined right now, mm. and so I do get that when I. There's a cool song I'm learning right now, Marcus King. Okay. Um, trying to learn, and he's got cool licks and things in it, and I, I can get a little bit of it, but then I get bored because I'm working on the instrument. If right. I was just singing the song, and uh, you know, my, I'm sure my wife and son can attest that I, I'll play a song all day long. That's all you hear. Right, as long as you can sing to it. Yes, because I'm trying to learn the melody myself, and that I think that helps me learn the song completely as well because now I can work on the instrument because I know what I'm doing vocally. So you say you have difficulty with like tabs and sheet music. Do you read like just chord changes well then? Like you know how your fingers form those chords and you can be like, oh yeah, this is a G7. Yes. Yeah? Yeah, I'm at that point now um, in learning chords 
beyond the fourth fret. Right. Essentially knowing your fretboard. So I do, and I do that a lot now. I'm trying more of that is like, okay, instead of playing my D here, right. let's play it here or up here. And just to give it a different voicing. Right. And at home, I'm fine. I mean, even doing some licks, you know, doing a little lead kind of thing or an introductory thing. I'm like, that's great. I can do it. But once I'm in front of somebody, yeah, um, it goes to shit. Right. So... <laughs> It's, that, that's the difficult part. Now, does that feel like because of an imposter syndrome, like you feel like you're just really not up to playing in front of people? Yeah, I have heavy anxiety. I, I have a real fear of um, ego. Like that yours is going to get too big or? Yeah, you know, I look at some people and their overconfidence really rubs me the wrong way just like mm. you know that I don't like that however that being said and it took me a long time to admit this but I think playing or singing is the thing that I do the best in my life right and I you know that's not a that's not an egotistical thing to say right that's just being confident in yourself and what you like to do right and me saying I love to sing and it is probably the thing I do the best right it took me a long time to say to, to realize that by me saying that I love to play mm-hmm. and that that's what I do the best is not the same as I do it better than you do. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That took me a long time to realize that. And it's still, I mean, my voice is quaking just saying it like that because I feel like, oh, geez. Um, right. but you know, just a normal person walking down the street should have a, a certain level of self-confidence regardless of what it is. Right. Just of themselves. And then being an entertainer, being somebody out in the front, um, you should have a little bit more confidence in yourself mm-hmm. naturally. So here's the level that just playing Joe walking, I'm here. Right. So I'm not even at the level of some guy who doesn't play. So I, I, I'm trying to bump that up. It's okay to like what you do and it's okay to be nervous, all that kind of stuff. But when I first started learning, I only played in front of my dad, uh, my mom, my stepmom, and a few friends in the kitchen table for like 10 years. Right. That's all I would do. My parents owned a bar. They had live music every weekend. I had friends, come on, Jay, you come on up and right. say, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, I heard you were great. And he's like, no, no, no. I had the golden opportunity and I didn't take it. So a lot of my life is regret of that kind of thing, of not right. stepping up to the plate and just, hey, just try. Everybody fails. But exactly. I, I hold such a high standard to myself that I shouldn't. Right. I, I don't need, and that's, this is something I've been working on actually throughout this quarantine thing is give me the realization of you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to take everything so serious and i do have the ability i mess up almost every song i really do if <laughs> if you come out to see paul and i i'll mess up a chord or something will go flat in my voice or something and i'll just look at paul and i'll laugh and he'll laugh and we're still playing we don't right. stop and I, I have that in me i, I just play through it. who cares yeah but it's leading up to that i know once i'm in it and if it, it, something goes wrong wrong quote unquote it's not a big deal. It's part of the live thing. In fact, when I see some of my favorite people play and they mess up all the time on YouTube videos or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, that's kind of cool. So I do, but leading up to it, I'm just getting so nervous. I have a real difficulty just, who cares? Right. You know, just doing that. I have a, and, or a new song coming up and Paul and I worked our butts off to get it and, and get it down. And then in my head, when I hear a song and I want to play a song, I envision the crowd that I want to play it for. So if that crowd is not out there, I don't want to play that song. Paul, on the other hand, who 
you know, he keeps me between the lines, which, you know, that was, I told him that's his job when we started this thing. Um, you know, let's just do it. Let's get it. Because if you have the crowd that you really want out there, you might mess it up. It's the first time. So let's mess it up now while nobody's watching or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So he does real, he does a great job of helping me. And sometimes he loses. I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Fine. You know, so, but that's the, the brotherhood uh, battle that you have right. on stage. And um, so with, with this anxiety and not really taking that chance when you were 14, 15, when was the first time you played a live show and how'd you get past those nerves? An actual live show it wasn't until um, so I joined. We formed a band, Meads Creek, um, and that was in 2010. So we didn't play out until 2011, and that was actually my first in a band in front of anybody. So this was I'd already been playing 15 years. Right. Only on a kitchen table was my stage, you know. Um, so that was really nerve wracking. But the band that I was in, the guys were fantastic. I mean, they were seasoned musicians. Uh, great guys, mm -hmm. very forgiving, um, understanding that this is a nervous thing. They know the the kid, the rookie, they call me, is going to fail, is going to, you know, whatever. So when I sing, when I play, I close my eyes. Mm -hmm. I uh, put myself in the song because that helps me kind of project and, and really deliver the song. My dad always said, sing from the heart. And so that's what I do. So now getting over that, a friend of mine, was in another band, uh, Buster Crab, who was a big band out in Bath. Mm -hmm. And he always wore sunglasses because he had an anxiety thing. And I thought he was just trying to be cool and come to find out it was a little bit of both. Um, and so he gave me that tip, hey, man, do this. Um, and so I didn't do that through Meets Creek because the guys said, no, you got to look at the people. You got to kind of sell the thing and right. blah, blah, blah. I still didn't. I mean, there were times, um, one show in particular, some lady come up and stood right in front of me and flashed me. Right. Well, here I am, my eyes closed. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the song gets over. I look back and everybody's laughing. I'm like, what's <laughs> going on? They're like, man, you got to start opening your eyes. <laughs> and actually, let me rewind that a little bit because I did play in another rock band. Mees Creek was a country band. I was in a rock band for about a day and a half. And I had sunglasses at that time. Hmm. Um, so that's, that was actually my first out in front of people, but actually being, uh, in the bar in, you know, in an atmosphere and kind of thing was Meets Creek. And, but now I wear sunglasses and it's kind of like, uh, that movie, Big Daddy put the sunglasses on. It's like, now you don't see me glasses, you know? That's why I like playing at the piano so much. Cause I don't go, gotta look at nobody. <laughs> you look straight at right him. at the, right at the <laughs> piano. It's like, Oh, I gotta watch the keys. I love that. So do you, do you remember any of, uh, like, the first songs you played live? Um, <clears throat> See if I can trick you into playing something? You couldn't on the rock thing, because when I sang in the rock band, I was just a singer. I mean, we did, like, Stone Temple Pilots. We did some Godsmack. We did Puddle of Mud, stuff like that. Uh, we even did Judas Priest and Motley Crue. Uh, my, the guy who was kind of orchestrating all the songs was is an 80s guy. Right. And you're uh, singing all this. And I'm singing all this. And I am I am a karaoke singer. I try to mimic who I'm singing as. Right. Unfortunately, you know, you get guys like Evan Dillon who have a fantastic voice, and that is his voice, and he puts it on every song. Now, when he does things like Stone Temple Pilots, it fits great because that's kind of the thing. Right. But he can also pull off Joshua Cadison, and it sounds great because it's still Evan's thing. Right. I don't have that, and I've actually been struggling vocally. Uh, lately because we've been doing this thing for five years and you know I'm singing low stuff you know Luke Bryan or Toby Keith and high stuff like Rascal Flats and um, 
Rihanna and Shinedown and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and me trying to mimic. Now, when I watch back on videos, it doesn't sound a thing like <laughs> like Kenny Chesney. Like either, it doesn't sound like it at all. So, how do you find when you're doing like an original song? What I don't of, do originals. You don't do originals? No, like at all. No, I've never. I've, oh, wow. I've I wrote a song when I was like 15 or 16, um, and then I started writing songs <laughs> a little bit at that time. Uh, but what happened was like the girlfriend I had at the time, I'm just writing songs based on, I put myself in a story or whatever, or I see a story on TV and I'm like, well, I could write about that. And it became, who's that song about? What's this about? Why are you doing it like that? You know, what's that mean? You don't love me? You know, it's like, I'm just writing. Yeah. And it just totally turned me off to the process. And, you know, I'm sure songwriters, that's what they do is write about life. I wouldn't be opposed to doing that if I had a songwriter going, hey, let's sit down and work on something so I can get the process. I would love to do that. But So what sort of songs have you been working on with, with Paul lately? Honestly, lately, not much. We did a few, um, a Dirk Bentley tune we started working on, and we just did a few Eric Church tunes and the Theory of the Dead tune. Yeah, so we, we kind of go all over with things. And I was actually hoping with this quarantine we could do a lot more and almost reinvent our whole set list because we've been doing the same one for so long because we have been so fortunate to play as much as we have mm. that and with my vocals I, I need that rest in the during the week right so it's hard to learn more songs and sing them i have to kind of we have to find a perfect place and then of course with me and my anxiety my adhd and you know i get all hyped up about a song I'm like we got to do this song and then we'll start playing it, breaking it down. It doesn't sound very good because there's more instrumentation going on or I'm limited so much to my instrument. How do you and Paul decide what you're going to do for live shows? When we started this, it was we want to do things that we like. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying when we first started talking, um, you have to play things that people want to hear right. to be uh, marketable. Um. And Paul and I said, you know what? We don't know where this is going to go, what it could do. So let's just play what we want it, what we like. Mm-hmm. If people don't like them, we'll know. And we just won't get hired. We won't get gigs. I have a wide palette of music loves. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's what can sell, really. Right. You know, you get a lot of um, a lot of the uh, passionate musicians that are like, I'm doing what I love and or originals because mm-hmm. that's what i need to do and it, that's fine for everybody but at this time we're trying to get gigs trying to get people out mm-hmm. and you have to be realistic on that if that's what you're trying to do as a profession as a job right not a lot of people want to hear uh, like a small town band with all originals they want to hear music they know and love and yes that's what gets them in the seats and the irony of that is you can go out and play a bunch of covers and people will constantly you play anything original and then you go out and play an original thing, and they're like, "Hey, do you know uh, Freebird?" Or, you know, and, you know, right? And it's just like, gee, I, you can't win, and and you can't. You have to go out, and I know that. Yeah, you, you have to go out. Can't please everybody. Uh, I don't know how many times. Oh, you know, that's really good. But do you know any blah blah blah? Or do you know any Garth Brooks? Yes, I do. I know this song. Do you know any other Garth Brooks? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> can't win. Do you see jukebox back there? <laughs> the Jeremy James jukebox. It's it's so. Um, yeah, hold on. Let me just listen to it real quick and get it down yeah. for you. Oh, or oh, the best one. Oh, well, I can sing it if you don't know it. <laughs> so you want me to just pretend I know the chords then? You do understand I have to play the music. So what songs or genres did you start with when you and Paul first started playing? 
Um, we started off with like we did some Foo Fighter stuff. Okay. Um, but Paul did it like on the piano, so it was a different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Razor was one I remember. I don't remember it to play, but he did it on a keyboard, and I did just kind of like weird backing chords, mm-hmm. and it was really different. Um, the very first song that he and I played was Seven Nation Army. Yeah, that's a good one. But we did it in a different. I mean, I did it like in a boy. I can't even remember the thing. Something like that. Yes, <laughs> but not like that. We did, <laughs> we did it like in a reggae. It was like a boom, bing, dum, bing, dum, ding, dum, bing, dum, and I just changed the high chords on it. And then gonna fight them up, boom, bing, dum, bing, dum, bing, dum, bing. and it was just. And then finally it was like bam, 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 and I got into the more chords right. versus the actual the note. Down, 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 down. Um, so it was different there, and it was kind of finger picky, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, it was kind of cool, but it didn't really sell, and it might sell now if we did it. Um, but at first, when people were kind of like, you know, um, and then we did like uh, Ed Sheeran's "Thinking Out Loud," we did "Shine Down." Call me, mm-hmm. um, you know, more ballady kind of things, and it progressively started to pick up because people wanted to dance, and we're like, okay, we need to do that. But again, we went all over the spectrum. We were right. doing all kinds of stuff, and yeah. we still are actually. Now, do you still do a lot of like that genre mixing? Of, yes. Yeah. Um, and it's actually that was how we wanted to to go. Is like we wanted, we don't want to be pigeonholed into one thing. We thought we could pull that off. With an acoustic act. Like, so do you think people expect more from a full band as opposed to an acoustic act? I think as a full band, my personal opinion, you need to be genre specific. Mm-hmm. You're a rock band, you're a country band, you're a blues band. Now we do a mix of everything because not a lot of people can pull that off for one. Right. And I understand everybody has those loves of all across there. But to be, from my opinion, to be marketable... And for it to really work, the rock people aren't going to come out to see country stuff if they don't like it. Right. The country people aren't going to come to see You know, things have kind of mixed a little bit, even in, in pop, mm-hmm. popular music. A lot of country acts are doing rap, rap now. Um, yep. you know, a lot of rock acts are moving a little more in that country direction, or country's getting more rock, whatever. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, the lines are getting blurred a little bit, which is fine. I... I I'm not a big fan of a lot of it, but I think to really be a great band, um, just be you, just be your your genre. Yeah. Um, and I think that pulls. I think with a full band, people are looking to come away with more of an experience than to just sit down at a cafe setting or open mic and listen to somebody do something acoustically. Yes. But with an acoustic act... People are having a beer. They're not up there to party and dance. You right. know, we play six to nine. So people, they just want to be entertained for a little while. And if you're playing something cool and. Yeah, sort of like a just drop in, drop out concert sort of thing. Yeah. People constantly flying through. Yeah, especially, and it works great here in the Finger Lakes with the breweries and the wineries. Yeah. Because you get people that come in, they have a couple drinks, that's kind of cool, and they leave. And then the next bus comes in or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you can play that almost, play the place almost every day or every weekend. Because it's a different Always clientele. A yeah. I mean, if you played at a bar, a hometown bar, you're in the same crowd all the time. Right. You know what I mean? But 
a touristy place like that. And that's great for Acoustic Act, which people have known forever. Now, do you expect quarantine to change anything performance-wise for you guys, either personally or socially, monetarily? Um, some bars might not be able to afford to have us. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. It's, it's, this has hit a lot of businesses like that. Yeah, unfortunately. Like, and having bands would bring in extra money for that night, but it's being able to, you know, save up to pay the artist for that just right. to make sure if maybe they don't draw the biggest crowd or something well, like that. Well, and here's the other thing is, is once everybody's open, everybody's open. Yeah. So now they got to find the spot that where they're going to go to. So it's either mass people are going to go out to two or three spots or everybody's going to go everywhere and it's going to be thin anyway. Yeah. So you either have to hope that you're in one of those big mass spots. Right. Or you really have to just kind of negotiate some, some things. And I understand that completely. But with that in mind, um, I've been doing a lot of songs for myself. Right. And some of them might be able to transfer over. Um, I could play him probably for Paul and he'd go, oh, yeah, we can do this. Yeah. Um, he's very good with that kind of thing. So um, we'll have to see. So, while it looks like this shit is just going to last forever, it can't. And when you get back on stage, I know you're looking forward to something special. What is the thing you are most looking forward to to getting back on stage and performing again? When you have the control and command of the crowd, that is, that. I mean, that, every musician loves that, wants that. If it's five people or 50 or 500, it's, that's what you're looking for. And at least that's what I'm looking for. Right. And it's so great when it works. And, um, and it's funny. It, it doesn't work all the time, obviously. Right. But it's one of the, being a musician and being able to entertain for people, it's one of those things that um, you can fail at it 12 times, but that 13th time works. And it's like you're reinvented. You're alive again. Yeah, you're addicted. And it's like now you're going to fail 12 more times. You're like, oh, this sucks. I'm done. That 13th time hit, and you're like, can't wait for next weekend. Ooh, it just, it, you just kind of completely forget how bad it was the last 12 times. Yeah. And, or it's like, you know what? I got to go through that those 12 times to get to this time. And that is, it's, it's chasing that dragon. It's like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. And I mean, Paul and I play, we play for a PNC in Ithaca mm -hmm. in the grocery store, um, right next to the cheese and the deli meats. <laughs> it's, it's r ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, we have played some places where Paul's behind me, and I because it's so small, mm. it's kind of like narrow like this, but a little more. Right. And doesn't have this wide out part. It's just and ready, Paul. Yep. And we've played on top of each other. We've played. I mean, it's it's ridiculous the things that we have done. Um, and it's funny. And then we go out and get a big stage, and he's 18 feet from me because we just want to take up them as much space as we can. Right. Now we have a chance. <laughs> And uh, so it's funny in those in those cases, but we've played all over. We just if there's a stage people want us to play at, you know, we want to be there. And yeah, we're, we're being more selective now because we've been fortunate enough to have our name out there enough. People want us in different venues, so now we can say, you know, we some of those are really a pain in the ass. Mm. And I hate saying no. I mean, I'll tell Paul, okay, we're booked for March, and then I'm going, here's three more dates. How do you get three more dates? Right. I could say no, man. Just, I'm a whore like that. I just want to play. Yeah. You know, and and again, it's been tough to to admit that. We have air raid sirens going on right now. Yeah, I think, 
Looks like there's two guys looking in your window. I kept moving. <laughs> Thank heavens. <laughs> Should we be taking cover on the piano? <laughs> uh, Duck and cover. There it goes. Let's do a genre bracket. Okay. First up, blues or R&B? Um, I would have to say probably R&B, only because I'm more familiar. Um, mm. During the 90s, like I was a huge, I still am, a huge fan of Boys to Men. Oh, yeah. Color Me Bad. Um, and again, I'm a vocalist, so that stuff hit me right in the old feels and how they do all that stuff. Um, and so that's R&B-esque. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up singing Michael Jackson, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's actually how I've, I realized I could hit a note is that he would hit these high notes. Here I'm seven years old in my bed looking at his record, and I'm hitting it too. You know, <laughs> I, could, I could hear when it was, when it was yeah. right on. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But I didn't pay attention to Right. That I was a good singer. Or, you know, I just like to sing along, and it's like I could match that. And looking back now, I can go, oh, that's where I got my ear from. Must yeah. be. Um, so I would say R&B on that. Nice. All right. So let's go R&B or new metal. Um, give me an example of new metal. I heard like you and Evan talking about that. Like but. Slipknot or... Okay. Like uh, those now, Linkin Park. I do like Slipknot. I'm actually learning one of their songs now. I do like Linkin Park. I'm actually learning a couple of their songs. Um, Chester's voice was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, sure was. And when Linkin Park actually come out, that was great. I, I, I was hook, line, and sinker in that crawling. And um, but that first album come out was great. Um, and what, was, then, what was that first album called? Like Minutes to Midnight or something? No, that was like their second or third. I want to say Hybrid Theory. Okay. But that might have been their second one. So, but it's within that. Those the first two albums were great, and then it kind of they fell off for me. But it was so new, it was like Nirvana hitting a scene that just changed yeah. some things, and I really liked that, especially when Chester was singing. I wasn't up into um, um, the rap side of it, but I I liked it. Uh, when Mike Shinoda, I think is his name, he would do the raps or whatever. But it, it added something to it. Yeah, and it was cool. And then when Chester come back on, it was like, ooh. You know, and being a vocalist, it just hit me. So um, I would still have to say, only because I don't know a lot of the uh, the new metal-ish, I do like Korn. I had appreciation for them if they're considered new metal. Uh, I think so. Um, I mean, I like I like it all, but as far as personal preference, I would have to say R&B only because I could sing it. But I am just so laid back and so, I you know, I'm not aggressive. I'm not, you know angry and just ugh, I just want to break stuff all the time I mean I have those times and it's fun to release once in a while but yeah now you know majority of the time I'm just Lionel Richie easy man I'm just it's why I'm easy and and unfortunately I'm a sad depressive kind of person mm. so a lot of my music is sad it's depressive it's slow it's heartfelt it's you know um uh Keith Urban's you'll think of me it's mm. you know it's just you know now, do you feel playing music like that helps you express yourself more freely, or do you find it kind of just keeps you in that sort of depressive state? That's a really good question. So is it my mood that transcends my interest in the music, or is the music that keeps my mood, basically? Yeah. Honestly, I couldn't answer that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to think they're one and the same in a way. Um, but I think music, and I, that's why I love music, it, it can put you in a mood. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times have we seen the new metal and stuff? You see all these people get angry and uh, it, it can be a healthy angry, you know, like yeah. the mosh bits and stuff. It's just, they're just expressing themselves and they're having fun and it's healthy in that way. So I think, I think your mood kind of, okay, I want to listen to this and it could keep me there or get me there. Hmm. Um, but a lot of times you put on something fast and hard and heavy and it's just like, I'm just not in that mood. Yeah. And so it's a turnoff. So... I would say probably my mood expresses the music hmm. more so. Yeah. Does yeah. It, does it help you get out of those sorts of moods? Yeah, it helps me deal with them more. Um, hmm. You know, if I'm sad and depressed, which is a lot of the time, um, I can play those and I can go, you know, I'm not the only one. Yeah. This dude wrote this song because he felt that way. And um, I had a good friend who went through a breakup and he just couldn't understand it. And he, nobody's been through this before. And I just sent him a list of songs. I'm like, dude, listen to these songs. Yeah. If you think you're the only one that feels this way, you are sorely mistaken. Man. Yep. And somebody's, it kind of helped him. Somebody's put that into music in a whole bunch of different ways. Exactly. And it's like one of those, you're not the only one. And, and that makes you feel good. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, all right, that's, that's cool. Where were we on the songs? Whichever one you you found most interesting. Most interesting. See, now you're throwing things at me. And well, I'm... whichever one you you are most comfortable with that won't cause you to sweat all over my microphone. Oh, that's going to happen regardless. <laughs> that doesn't matter. All right, so I'll do this one. Let me find this stupid thing. See, and again, this is another thing. I know these songs, but when I get in front of people or whatever... And this is when I play, I actually have my, my thing down here. It just helps to have that iPad in front of you. Yes. I know a lot of people don't like having those kinds of things. A lot of people, when they do use them, they have them right here. Yeah. And it's like, if you know the song, if you don't really know the song, in my opinion, maybe you shouldn't be reading off sheet music to play it. Yeah. If you do know it and you just need that help, I understand that. But try right. to find a way to get it out of your face so people can actually see a little bit. Yeah. This coming from a kid who wears sunglasses. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Um, not facing the back of the stage. And actually, that was one of the things I, um, when I first heard Evan, um, love the guy, love his voice. I was watching some of his videos and he had the, you know, the thing, he had this great big thing. And I'm like, so I emailed him like, dude, you have a phenomenal voice. Great stuff. And he replies, thanks, but dot, 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 because he knew it was coming. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what we do. Everybody will never come up. I love that song, but well, can you play that? So, <laughs> and I said, dude, you, if you can move that out of your face, just a suggestion. Take it for what it's worth. And, you know, he respected me for saying something to him, but not having the I know better than you kind of thing. So, and I think that's what hit off our relationship and why we're such good friends is because right. we can bounce those kinds of things off each other yeah. without knowing that he's picking on me or I'm picking on him or I, you know, I, you know, I respect him and his music greatly immensely. Right. Um, so I just wanted to see him in a better way. It's like, Hey, if you did this, I think that mutual, mutual respect that, you know, you each want to see each other get better. Yeah. 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 And absolutely. I'll hear a song, dude, check this song. out. I think you could pull this off, you know, and he does that with me and I actually struggle with my, I've been struggling with my vocals lately and mentally. And he came to my house. He was like, Hey man, how's thing going? Uh, you know, this, that, and the other. What are you working on? So, you know, I'm, I'm not really working on much because my voice, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. Something's wrong. And it's 
bothering me. He showed up at my house, knocked on my door, I didn't even know. Him. He was like, just want to chat, see you, you know, kind of ease you out of the, your thing. And yeah. so, you know, we have that kind of relationship where we really try to support each other. And that it is, it's a really nice camaraderie. And Evan and I have that in spades. Yeah. So that's been really cool. Exactly. Nice. Um, so this, um, my early days grew up listening to Alabama and um, a lot of the older country because that was my, what my dad listened to. Right. Um, and I had that passion, had the storytelling, had the beautiful vocals. This group, McBride and the Ride, came out and um, is where I really started starting to resonate with a lot of the country stuff that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it was right around the time I started playing, too, so it helped. But um, I actually just learned this song recently, but it's a song that I, it takes me back. Mm. You know, um, so, yeah. How about I tune that? And that's the other thing. When I listen to a song, um, it's hard for me to because I'm a because I'm a karaoke kind of style singer. It's hard for me to change the key of the song. And I mean, if I only heard the song in that key, I can sing it. But when there's a high part, like if you change this, like okay, we're going from a G to a B or whatever. Um, and again, I don't, I don't know what that means. I'm just saying that yeah. to make me sound smart. Um, so I can get to a point where I'm like, okay, I can, I can sing it in this thing. But once there's that nice high part, I instantly, my brain takes me right to the original and I'll go whoo real high. And so it breaks it off. So I don't know how to kind of keep myself within. If I just wanted to, right, I got to drop this a little bit, dropping by a half step. I can get a little bit, I can get that easier, but when I really need to change it or if I want to do a different fingering, that makes it diff- difficult for me. But I have been challenging myself to try to do that, so that's been one of the things. Um, but anyway, so that's a lot of my other issue too. It's like it's got to be almost close to the original key because I mentally can't practice it otherwise because I'm still trying to get those nuances in the vocals and all that kind of stuff and kind of the curse of being a karaoke kind of guy, I guess. But. A little better. <clears throat> Does that sound all right to you? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, this is called Sacred Ground. We got married in high school, had a baby when we turned 18. I bag groceries in the daytime At night I learn to fix TVs When you come by things the hard way Well, you learn how to hold on tight So don't think you can waltz in here Take her without a fight Oh this ain't just some neon love come lately well, It's a precious thing you don't know nothing about We were joined in the eyes of the Lord In the eyes of our hometown Why don't you leave her alone? Written on sacred ground 
gorgeous. Um, but stuff like that, storytelling songs. That's yeah. what I kind of want to grew up on. Yeah. So that really kind of directed me, I guess. I feel that way about like Cat Stevens and Jim Croce. Those are mm-hmm. like the the storyteller singer songwriters that I just. Operator was one of my favorite Operator. songs, and the way he plays it, and I was like, "That's the song I want to learn." Yeah, never got there. Um, but my favorite favorite band um, as of now is the Avett Brothers. Hmm. Um, I just totally fell in love with those guys, and um, one of the brothers does a few covers, and he does Operator, um, and just kills it. So I, since he started doing, I was like, I, and I started picking his apart a little bit. So I have been working on that, but again, ADHD, I, it's. It's been worked out. I'm like, yeah, I think I can get that if I work on it. So yeah. move along. Yeah. Put that on the back burner. Yeah. And that's just a lot of it is. It's just like, can I do that? I'd like to learn how to do that. Um, but yeah, I've been working on a lot of other stuff. Um, a Beyonce tune. Really? Yeah. Um, I could start a little bit of it. If you, if you like. Absolutely. If I have it. Now that I say that with my mouth. Idiot. <laughs> Just because I don't have the lyrics. I The chords are easy enough. Um, so this is another one of those ones where I had to change the key, obviously. So I was challenging myself to... No, that's the wrong chords. See? That's... They still sounded real good. <laughs> I, 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 I was like jamming to that song. That was good. Just the wrong. Okay, there's three of them. Okay, I was right. I just the wrong chord key. Uh, was, oh, okay, it goes to the two. Built. They ain't even tumbling down Didn't even put up a fight Didn't even make a sound Swore I'd never let you in I never really had a doubt Standing in the light of your halo Got my angel now It's like I've been awakened Every rule I had you breaking It's a risk that I'm taking I ain't ever gonna shut you out Everywhere I'm looking now Surrounded by your embrace Baby, I can see your halo Pray you won't fade away You're everything I need and more Girl, it's written all over your face Standing in the light of your halo Pray you won't fade away I can see your halo I can see your halo I can see your halo Halo Hit me like a rain Burning through the darkest night Girl, you're the only one that I want 
think I'm addicted to your life Swore I wouldn't fall again This don't even feel like falling Gravity better not forget Bring me back to the ground again It's like I've been awakened Every rule I had you breaking It's a risk that I'm taking Never gonna shut you out Everywhere I'm looking now Surrounded by your embrace Baby, I can see your halo Know you're my saving grace Everything I need and more It's written all over your face Standing in the light of your halo Pray you won't fade away I can see your halo I can see your halo I can see your halo Halo Something like that. So something <laughs> like that. Uh, that yeah. was so good. Oh, thanks. That's the first time I ever played that fully. That's it's really good. Oh my gosh. Well, this is my least favorite part of the podcast. The end. Oh, I was, was gonna say my zipper down this whole time. No, that'd be my favorite part. <laughs> Sweat. <laughs> no, I hate ending these. I always love these conversations. They're always so fruitful and eye-opening and just great i love them um i do have one more just like fun question if you could have any dream collaboration work with any musician who would it be and why um honestly i think it would be the avid brothers really yeah they um they are um, all over the place with their music as far as um, like bluegrass, country, a little bit of rock in there, a mm. little bit of blues. Um, and it's honest music. It's stripped right down. It Banjo, stand-up bass, um, fiddle now, uh, full drum kit now. Mm. But when they started, it was just the two of them. Then they got a stand-up bass player, and it was just the three of them. Yeah. And they're playing all this hillbilly stuff or all this Americana, rockabilly, everything. And yeah. they made it fun. And it was just wild. And they're, they're not, I mean, they're constantly tuning their instruments. They're always out of tune. Uh, recently, like their vocals are great as far as harmonies and whatnot. But started off, they're all over the place. They're not necessarily always perfect on there. It just, it was one of those things I could relate to going, Hey, that's that's me. That's an everyday kind of. It's not right. And I, I see their videos, or their, they have a little um, documentary video out now, movie. They still drive an old Ford two fifty. I mean, it's just a beat up truck. They don't. They're not. They're just from North Carolina, country mountain guys. You know. Yeah. But they write amazing melodies and amazing lyrics to me that speak to me. Um, and. I think that would be cool to sit and collaborate with them or just yeah. to just to be in their presence. I actually did get to meet uh, Scott, one of the brothers, one time. We were in Atlanta to see a show, and we were in the mall. 
and just happened to turn and there he is walking down the thing down the by himself and i just ran up just to see him and go dude uh can i get a picture with you and i realized he was on the phone but i didn't see it from my point of view he was on his other ear you know right. and he looks at me and i'm like i'm so sorry and he looks at me and i go but can i get a picture <laughs> i couldn't not and the dude goes yeah no problem and I thought we'd just go like this real quick because my wife was, I go, huh, huh. and I thought we'd just do this. He'd go and then leave. Right. And we're standing there and all of a sudden he walks over to us and he's on his phone. He goes, give me just two minutes. And he walks over to the thing and I'm looking at my wife going, are you kidding me? This guy's going to stop his phone call. Did he ended the call, comes up. Hi guys, I'm Scott. What's your name? We sat there and talked to him for about eight minutes. His phone's going off. He's turning it off. He's got a show that night. He had a show the night before. Oh, my gosh. Ironically, the night before, he has... So he plays banjo, and he's got these finger picks, right? Mm -hmm. The banjo picks. And he puts them in his set list, signs it, crumples it up, and throws it out in the crowd. I caught it on Friday night. Oh, wow. And I go, dude, I just wanted to show you. I showed him the picture. I go, I caught your stuff last night. And um, he's like, oh, that's awesome. And he took a picture with us. And he was just answering questions. Just an honest, uh, great guy. And rewinding a little bit we saw him we saw them in canadagua mm -hmm. and they had an opener the guy's name's pale face and he was he's a duo he plays an acoustic guitar and sings and then his girlfriend mo plays drums oh wow and i was like oh my god a duo was opening up for the avid brothers if they can do it i can do it well i befriended pale face and mo on twitter right. and actually got them gigs up here they've played at um the village marina they've played at the grist iron yeah. They stayed at my house. Oh, wow. And Paleface was one of the original writers with the Avett Brothers. And when I talked to Scott that day in Atlanta, I said, oh, by the way, you know, you, you think, I want to ask all my heroes all these questions. As soon as I was in his presence, I couldn't think of a thing to Just ask blank. him. Luckily, Just my wife's that. going, hey, whose dog is that in your video? And blah, blah, because they have a Doberman. We right. have Doberman. Um, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like... And I'm, I'm sitting there watching this interaction between Scott and my wife. I'm going, this is cool. <laughs> and then he leaves. I'm like, I had so many questions. Dude, what did this mean? What did that mean? And but right before he left, they go, dude, I, I met Paleface. And he goes, he's a great guy. He's one of the guys that got us started and taught us how to write. And we wouldn't be where we are today in our style without him. So anyway, getting back to the question, I go off on tangents. Tony, I'm sorry. No, You're going to rewind this and go, there's 17 questions I asked him. He didn't even answer. <laughs> but um, So if you want a phone interview, just give me a call and I'll answer him. You got it. But so sitting with Scott and Seth, I think would be awesome to learn how they break things down, learn how, and all their stuff is open chords, G, C, D, E minor, and they move the, the capo. Right. And, um, and I, I can relate to that. I'm like, they're making a lot of, I mean, they have 11, 13 albums, something like that, making a lot of stuff out of basic stuff yeah which relates to me it's not stevie ray vaughn just what did you do you know it's not these shredder guys it's it's honest stuff and it's quote-unquote easy mm. and it's so simple and it's so to me heart so those guys that just to sit and listen to them work with them a little bit learn from them yeah uh sing with them it would be a dream but i you know that i'm nervous here singing with you so imagine those guys yeah you know so it's just that kind of thing but um yeah Definitely the David Brothers. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to have you here. Well, I'm sorry to be ranting. No, That's, brother, you're fine. I go off on tangents a lot. so, And I, this is great. I mean, I, thanks so much for doing this kind of thing. This is I don't know exactly what you're going to do with all this, but uh, looking at your gear and hearing some of the stuff that you've done already, it, it's it's uh, a lot of hope and promise in that. Yeah. And it's, it's very exciting. 
Well, my hope is to bring those sorts of like collaborations together with um, like bigger bands and working with local musicians on just like making stuff, just really connecting people through music like that. struggling musicians out there we hope you recognize now that you're not alone performance anxiety is a real thing that affects everyone it can be both paralyzing and motivating to work harder and push through what we hope you take away is simply that old adage the show must go on no matter how scary it seems when you're on stage and you connect with your crowd magic happens talent drive and hard work Never stop reaching, never stop yearning, and never, ever stop playing. Up next, Tony and Jeremy pick at some boogie-woogie, some real good old-school country, and some Elton John. No big deal. Tony and I want to thank Jeremy for taking the time to come and chat with us and for the fun that they had during this jam session. Also, stick around after the jam for the full version of Jaybird Blues a song Tony wrote after being inspired by his conversation with Jeremy James. I don't mean to put you on the spot, just any, any, go- I don't even care. Check one, two, and check three, four. Check one, two, check seven, eight, nine, ten. wrote that myself. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's, it's I'd play, that's that's going to be on my Spotify top five of the year. <clears throat> there you go. Well, I mean, if you want to throw something out there, or if you're following my, I don't know, I, I really don't know anything about that. I mean, honestly, the things I've been playing now is just like boogie-woogie. I'm going through this old-ass fake book with like 600 jazz standards in it. Dude. And it's great. Like, I love this song right here. <laughs> Dude, I love that. I'm, I love that vibe. I, I'm all about that. Yes, I really am. It's a good boogie woogie too. What, what are you laughing at? Good. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. So I've just I've just been jamming on these for. See, and that's I think that's kind of what I was getting into, like with the. That kind of stuff without doing the actual, this is a pentatonic scale. Yeah. Um, but just to get that kind of flavor and vibe to maybe add that in somehow, somewhere, some way. Yeah. And then, of course, like the boogie-woogie stuff. Um, I just found a song yesterday for, so here I am last night. It's I'm going on at 8.30. It's 8.15, and I'm still looking at songs to try to do. <laughs> and instead of going, hey, why don't you play one of the 85 songs that you still play in ampersand? Yeah. No, 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 no. I gotta find something different because you can always go out to Ampersand to see that. Right. I gotta play something different. So here I'm going, uh, well, here's a song I used to do Mees Creek 20 or 10 years ago. Um, I think I remember how it goes. 
And I'm like, yeah, I got it. And that was it. And I go on live and I'm like, I kind of didn't have it. But it went over all right. I mean, and again, I mess up everything and that's just the way it goes. Um, but that one is just a simple uh, A, D, E. Um, there's a G in there. And it goes to the D. Back to the A, I think. Then E7. Then back to the root, maybe. You know what? I might even have that one on here. Smart guy. Okay, A D A E seven G D. I was right. But uh, and that's it. The whole thing. E seven then what? E seven then G. Yeah. And then back to D as the five. Or no, that's the four, isn't it? And then back to the A. Okay. And then the bridge is just a little. Chords. Yeah, basically. Every morning I get up before that rooster crows Head straight to somewhere I don't even want to go Eggs and bacon in my belly Folgers coffee buzz But old radar detector protects me from the fuzz But I do what I gotta do to keep from working that nine to five It's killing me but then again it's keeping me alive Some gas in my truck Butter on my biscuits Couple bucks when I'm itching Scratch off tickets that poker makes me broker every Saturday night I still got running water, they ain't cut out the lines On Friday night my friends and I start peeling off them labels Working hard all week, puts the beer on the table Eighteen bucks an hour, million dollar tan Women whistle at me, I'm working for the man Making me some cold hard cash out in that summer sun Friday I'll have money I messed up, oh it's my bad I was listening to your stuff, it's so good I was like, oh, I just got completely lost <laughs> I love it oh. That was good, that was good Alright, we gotta do something else, what else we got? You have time for this? What do you have going on? <laughs> Nothing Okay I got tons I was gonna say, you're, you're ending things So I didn't know if you had a time constraint or what so. No, I got, um, just for like the body I like to keep it around an hour or so Okay So uh, what else? What do you like? What do you kind of jam on? Besides well, your all, boogie all woogie. I got is this like jazz stuff right now. If I knew any Elton John, I'd hit you with it. Yeah, if I knew any Elton John, I'd hit you with it. <laughs> oh, you know, I used to play. Uh, let me see if I have it. If I remember this. Uh, did that come up to you? Let me just see if this works here. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember how it goes. That's just a C, D minor, G, E, A minor. You probably do it in a different key, though, yeah? Okay. Dude. Let's try it out. <laughs> C, C, D minor, G, A minor. C, D minor, G, E, A minor. And then on that next break is F, G, A minor. G seven C. Would it be easier to see my thing too?
I was just doing an intro, I'm sorry. Oh, the intro, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go right into the Daniel then. Sure. Daniel's traveling tonight on plane. I can see the red tail lights headed for Spain. Oh, and I can see Daniel waving goodbye. Looks like Daniel. Sorry. Must be the clouds in my eyes. Back to the intro. They say Spain is pretty. I've never been. Says it's the best place that he's ever seen. Oh, and he should know he's been there enough. That's my bad. Oh, I miss Daniel. Oh, I miss him so much. Oh, Daniel, my brother. Older than me, do you still feel the pain of the scars that won't heal? Your eyes are lying, but you've seen more than I. Daniel, you're a star That's in the face of the sky. Yeah, these aren't actually appropriate. Perfect things. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, I'm professional. That's great. This is a typical show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. This is also me messing around with music, too. <laughs> yeah. Jen Payne, and as always, hosted by Anthony DeLuca. Tune in for next week's episode where Tony sits down with the amazingly talented Jekka. Till next time. You know how I can help it, feeling in the things that I do. You know I can't help it, feeling in the things that I do. Ever since you flew the coop, I got the Jaybird Blues. Jaybird Blues. Jaybird Blues. Jaybird Blues. Jaybird Blues. Ever since you flew the coop, I got the Jaybird Blues. Got that chain.